today comes to us from 1 Peter chapter 4. We are continuing our series in 1 Peter, Suffering Right. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for inviting us into your presence to worship you today. We pray that you would be here with us, that you would attend this meeting to the very end, working in it to perform your will. Uh, help us to be attentive to the preaching of your word now as we are instructed by you. Help me to get out of the way, remove all uh, distraction, and let your people hear from you and not from me. Let your name be glorified. Let the name of Christ be glorified, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You ever met somebody who later on you found out uh, was not the person that you had expected them to be? Uh, maybe they just had a very hard persona when you, you, you first met them, and so they had an angry look on their face, and you thought they were an angry person. Or, or maybe they had a very commanding personality, uh, and they had you know one of these voices that could be on a radio talk show or something like this, and... Uh, and, and so they, you, know, they, you just thought that they thought they were all this and that, and then later on you come to find out they're the most humblest person in the world. Or maybe your first impression of somebody came from a conversation that you heard them having, and you got, uh, you, you got an improper view of who that person was because of the way that you understood the conversation that they were having. You understood it wrongheaded or something like this. Well, today in our text, we're going to see that in the Christian life, many times, we have uh, certain expectations, uh, and a lot of times we have expectations of the wrong kind. Uh, because of our sin and because of uh, the fall, uh, many times we don't see the world rightly. We have an unbiblical view of the world, and so we don't see it the way uh, that we ought uh, to see it. We have the wrong expectations. And so today in our text, I want to focus on two things in connection with that conversation about expectations, and they are this. Uh, the first is that Jesus suffered and was insulted, so Christians should expect to suffer and be insulted. And then the second is like it. Jesus was judged and delivered, so Christians should expect to, judge, to be judged and delivered. 
We see that first point, Jesus suffered and was insulted, so Christians should expect to suffer and be insulted in verses 12 through 16. Uh, But let's read uh, 12 and 13 first, and we'll get into it. Verse 12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Again, uh, we talked about this last week, but I think that Peter is referring to this most monumental event that is on the horizon. Uh, Judgment uh, is about to come upon the nation of Israel for their rejection of the Messiah, and the Christians are not going to be exempt uh, from it. They will be around what it takes place, but they're going to be judged in a different way. Uh, It's as Peter says here, the Christian goes through a fiery trial. You see that? Pick that up in the text. The Christian goes through a fiery trial. So as the world goes through a fiery judgment, the Christian goes through a fiery trial. Does that make sense? The world goes through a fiery judgment. Christian, at the same time, goes through a fiery uh, trial many times. Uh, And Peter says we shouldn't be surprised by this. (laughs) As a matter of fact, we should expect it. Uh, It is just uh, the way that it is. It is part of what it means to be a Christian. You suffer in the world. Uh, Peter says that we we take on the sufferings along with the Lord Jesus uh, Christ. We enter into the sufferings of Christ with him. Uh, As we've been saying all along, the Christian is called to live a cross-centered life, which means that the life of Christ becomes a pattern. Uh, His cross becomes a pattern for how we are to live our lives in the world. Uh, As I said last week, uh, as the church moves through history, this same pattern sort of repeats itself, okay? Okay. The kingdom of God advances in the world. Wicked men oppose the kingdom of God and they rebel against God. Jesus conquers and the kingdom expands. We see this continual pattern again and again throughout human history. Now, the kingdom of God advances as we live faithful, Christ-centered lives in the world, which means that we are going to run into opposition. When we live faithful, Christ-centered lives, we run into opposition, which entails suffering, right? If you live the way that Peter tells you to, if you live the way that Jesus did, you can expect opposition. And opposition entails uh, suffering. I want you to think about the, the life that Christ lived for a moment. Think about the life that Jesus lived for a moment. He was continually at conflict with the establishment of the day. You just go and read through the Gospels. He was always pretty much at conflict with these people. And so should we be if we are going to live faithful, Christ-centered lives. And what happened to Christ? He suffered and he died, right? And what was the result? He redeemed the world. He redeemed the world. And what Peter is saying is that on the other side of the cross, we enter into this work of suffering and redeeming along with Jesus. Now, this is not to say that the sufferings of the Christian are redemptive. I want to be clear about that. 
The the sufferings of the Christian are not redemptive. The only kind of sufferings that are redemptive are the sufferings of Jesus Christ. But we we have been called to enter into this same pattern of life of suffering for righteousness' sake. And when we do that, we can rejoice because we know that we are doing the work of Christ in the world. Uh, And it will not be long until his glory is revealed. According to Peter, that's what he says here. In other words, Christ is going to show up and he is going to bring his judgments to bear upon uh, the world. And if we are being faithful to him, doing the work that he has called us to do, we can be glad and rejoice at that time because we are doing what he has told us and he will be, re- he will be glorified in that work. He's going to be glorified in our lives and, and, and our work. <clears throat> the world will see him glorified in it and that is the point. A God is in the business of vindicating his people, right? He vindicated Jesus and he will vindicate his followers and when we live the way that God has told us to live in the world, God will eventually show up and put his stamp of approval on our life and our ministry, and the world sees it. And the world will see it, but again, this entails suffering, right? We have to go through the trial. We have to go through testing. And this is how God refines us and makes us more like Jesus Christ. This is how God makes much out of Jesus Christ in our lives, through the lives that we live that are patterned after His, okay? Uh, Let's continue reading in verse 14. He says, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rest upon you, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed for let him glorify God in that name. So here Peter gives us some concrete examples of the things that he has been talking about. There is a right way to go about doing the thing that Peter has been talking about, and there is a wrong way to go about doing this thing. Because many times, as Christians, we biff this up, right? We get it wrong, okay? So first, Peter shows us the right way to go about doing what he has been talking about, He says, if you are insulted for Christ, you are blessed. But we don't feel blessed, right? (laughs) When we're insulted for Christ, we feel as if we've done something wrong, right? We we feel as if we need to change our behaviors or something uh, like this. But that is because we are looking at being insulted entirely wrong-headed. Peter says here, if you are insulted for Christ, you are blessed. As a matter of fact, the Spirit of God rests upon you at that point, okay? In other words, God is with you in the work that you are doing, and He is approving of it. He is glad for what you are doing. And if that happens, uh, you should rejoice. You should be glad when people make fun of you for Christ. Why is that? Well, because, again... You're doing the very thing that you're supposed to be doing. You're winning. <laughs> you're, in the, you're in the right place uh, when that happens. Peter says, if you're suffering as a Christian, don't be ashamed. Glorify God in that name. Don't be ashamed. Glorify God in that name. And the word Christian here is only used three times throughout the scriptures. Uh, and this is one of them. 
And I think early on that it was always used in a derogatory sense, you know, those Christians, those followers of Jesus. And so Peter is saying that if people look down upon you for being a Christian, glorify God. That's a good thing. (laughs) Keep doing what you are doing when this happens. It glorifies him. It exalts him. And that's what he wants out of your life. You're in the right place. You're where you need to be. Now, on the other hand, sometimes Christians are slandered and they're spoken evil of and they're looked down upon for the wrong reasons. They're doing the very things here that some of the things that Peter mentions here uh, that you're not supposed to be doing. They're suffering as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. And I think that what Peter is essentially saying here in effect, is at this point you're acting like the world. You're, you're doing it wrong, and so you shouldn't be surprised when you're looked down upon or when you're, excuse me, insulted or scorned or when you suffer. It's wickedness, <laughs> and a Christian ought not to act this way. The Christian should never suffer for doing evil, but rather for doing good, and if that is the reason that you suffer, it is a good Thing It is right for you to suffer in that way. And if that's the kind of suffering, it is good. It's right. It is a blessed thing, according to Peter. We think of the apostles, how they go out rejoicing after they were beaten. <laughs> how could you rejoice and be glad after you're beaten for preaching the gospel? Well, they did. And that's because they have this perspective. They understand <clears throat> that uh, suffering for righteousness' sake is good. It is a blessed thing. You see, but many times we don't look at the Christian life this way, right? We look at it from an entirely different uh, perspective. And something that I want us to get clear in our minds today before we move on is that we live in a broken world. And so there is evil in the world. There is suffering in the world. There is pain in the world. But God is in the business of delivering us out of the, these things. Uh, if we go through life thinking that we're not going to experience suffering and hardship and adversity and pain, then we're not looking at the world rightly. Okay? Because of sin and because of the fall, there is evil in the world and there is suffering in the world. And so... Uh, We should go into the world with eyes wide open, thinking that we are going to experience these things from time to time. It is just the nature of living in a fallen and sinful world. It's just the way it is. But here is what makes the difference for the Christian, okay? Here's the important caveat. God is using our pain. He's using our suffering for a higher purpose. You get that? God's using our pain and our suffering for a higher uh, purpose. The trials that we endure in this world are all part of God's plan to make much of Jesus Christ in our life. He uses the trials and the hardships that we endure to tell the story of Jesus Christ to the world so that our lives become a little microcosm of the gospel, and God uses our hardships and our trials to tell that story of Jesus Christ again and again 
and again to the world. So when you suffer, if you suffer faithfully, that is clinging to Christ, continuing to point to Christ in it, you can rejoice and be glad because, because you know Christ is being glorified in it. And also, he will come and deliver you at last. He comes and he vindicates uh, his people uh, at last. Now, if you haven't noticed, the word Christian is still a derogatory term in our society. I don't know if you've picked up on that lately, but people don't like Christians uh, in America anymore. It is a derogatory term. It is a negative thing. You're looked down upon for being a Christian. So we should not be surprised when people look down upon us or people speak badly of us or they insult us. And whenever people insult us for Christ, we again often think that we've done something wrong. We think that we need to do something different so that that doesn't happen again in the future. But again, we're looking at that wrong-headed. If we're insulted for Christ, the only thing that that means is that we're applying pressure in the right place. <laughs> you see how that works? If you're insulted for Christ, the only thing that that means is you're on target. <laughs> you're doing the very thing that God has called you to do uh, in Jesus Christ. And if you're honoring Christ the right way, you should expect to hear some insults. Just expect it. It's going to happen. So many times in the world, Christians will be slandered and spoken uh, badly of. You know, people will say, you know, that, that guy's... And, and they'll say he's a jerk, and that may be rightly so. He may be a jerk, okay? But many times, uh, that is because, if you look into it, that person is living a faithful gospel-centered life. That person is living the way that Christ told them to live, and saying the things that Christ told them to say, and for it, they're insulted. As a result, they are uh, insulted. Many times, Christians uh, get a bad rap in our society, right? People say that he's a jerk, you know, or they're, they're, they're rude, you know. She's always saying this and that. But who cares what the world thinks? Right? Who cares if people think that you're a jerk as long as you're a jerk for Jesus? Right? <laughs> you got to be the right kind of jerk. <laughs> um, <clears throat> they think you're being a jerk, but you're really just being faithful. So Jesus suffered and was insulted. So Christians should expect to suffer and be insulted. We see that second point, Jesus was judged and delivered, so Christians should expect to be judged and delivered in verses 17 through 19. Let's read that once again. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Again, the judgment is coming, and for the faithful, it acts as a purifying fire, refining and making pure. But for the unfaithful, it acts as a judgmental fire, 
destroying and consuming. Now, what sets the two apart? What makes the difference? Well, entrusting your soul to Jesus Christ and suffering for doing good versus trusting in yourself and suffering for doing evil. See how that works? That's the difference. Either entrusting yourself, entrusting your soul to Jesus for doing good, and that is why you suffer, or trusting in yourself and suffering for doing evil. Peter says that judgment begins at the household of God. Judgment begins at the household of God. So how can this be? Well, God uh, always starts with his church. The church is center stage in human uh, history. Uh, So the church is at center of God's program for the world. And it is the church's job to suffer. It's it's part of the church's calling to suffer for Christ uh, in the world. And when it does that, the kingdom of God expands in the world. And when it does not, it is judged with the rest of the world. See how that works? When we're doing the work that Christ has called us to do in the world, the kingdom expands. Uh, When we are not, when we're not doing what he has called us to do, we end up being judged with the rest of uh, the world. So judgment begins with us. Peter says judgment begins at the household of God. God is continually shaking up the kingdoms of this world. And as the kingdoms of the world shake, the church that is faithful during that time is refined and made more pure. The church is reformed and the kingdom of God expands in the world as a result. It makes progress. Again, this is a test that the church goes through. It is a, it is a trial. It is a fire. Uh, and it is a refinement. And oftentimes, refinements hurt, right? Refinements hurt. Um, but the church that comes out on the other side is a church that is pure, right? A church that is strong, a church that is true, and that is the point. Uh, Peter says that the righteous, this is effectively what Peter says here, the righteous are barely saved, so what do you think is going to happen to the unrighteous? You see where he says that there? He's, he's, he's essentially saying the righteous are barely saved, but so what do you think is going to happen to the unrighteous? Um, in other words, the going is going to get tough. It is not going to be easy, and the church is barely going to make it through, but it will make it through on the other side. And if you haven't noticed, this is the way that God likes to do things. He likes to leave things hanging up in the air. Have you ever noticed that? He likes to allow you to go under the gun or through the flood. Why? Why does he do this? so that you learn to depend on him and trust in him during those times. And then God shows up at last and he delivers his people. He swoops in and he rescues his people and he judges the world. That's the way that God works in history. So you can expect to see things hanging up in the air for you if you're a Christian. God wants you to depend on him, to look to him, to lean on him, to lean in during that time. And what Peter says is that those who are not white-knuckling through the storm, those who are not clinging to God, those who are not suffering for Christ in the world, who are not trusting in Christ, uh, will be swept away when the judgment comes. 
This is true in time and in history. God does this again and again throughout human history, and it's also going to be true on the last day when the only ones left standing will be those people who continued to remain faithful to Christ to the very end, even when the going got tough. Look at what he says in in verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Um, This is Peter's command to the believer. It's a command. Uh, We are to entrust ourselves to God. He is a faithful creator. In other words, uh, God is not absent in our sufferings. Uh, he, He sees our sufferings. He sees the trial that we are going through, and He is Lord over our uh, suffering. He is Lord over them all, and He has not left us to ourselves, but He is watching over us in each one of them. And He will deliver us out of them, but what we have to learn to do is entrust ourselves to Him in them. You see how that works? That's what he wants from you. He wants you to trust in him during. Um, and this is something that uh, takes time. Uh, we, what we want to do is try to wiggle our way out of the trial whenever it comes, right? We want to try to finagle our way out of it. We want to try to figure out how we could have done something different or how we can figure it out in our own strength. But what God wants us to do in that thing is to continue entrusting ourselves to Him, doing His will, even if that hurts, uh, even if that causes us to suffer. Uh, And He will show up at last and deliver the faithful. He always has. He always will even if that means going through death itself. Even if that means going through death itself, since he delivers us from death through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see? He's conquered the last enemy. So, do you find yourself today in a situation that you never would have thought that you would have been in? Do you find yourself today in a situation that you never wanted to be in? Uh, does it seem dark and, and lonely? Does it seem painful and hard? Do the times seem uncertain? Friends, this is all part of the refinement process that we've been talking about. This is all part of God bringing us through the storm, bringing us through the fire, bringing us through the trial bringing us through the shaking. Uh, God is at work in the world, and He is at work in our lives. He's brought us to the very place that we are here today. Whatever situation that we find ourselves in, He has brought us there, and He has brought us there for a purpose. It's all to refine us and to make us look more like Jesus Christ. You see? Do you know that God has a plan and purpose for your life to make you look more like Jesus Christ? Uh, 
the Apostle Paul tells us in his letter to the Romans that God predestined us to be conformed to the image of his Son. Predestined us to be conformed to the image of Jesus. So, God had a plan to make you look like Jesus, to make you look more like Jesus before you were ever born. And sometimes that hurts, right? Because Jesus suffered, right? Think about the life of Jesus. Jesus dealt with the affliction. He dealt with the pain. He dealt with the hostility. He dealt with the opposition in the world. And so this is all part of the plan. (laughs) None of this stuff is happening to you by accident. Nothing in the world happens by accident accident. God is ruling the world. And every event, every moment, every second of your life is being carried along to his desired end to fulfill his sovereign purpose in your life and in the world. And it is to refine us and to make us look more like Jesus Christ. So it's not out of control. It's, it's not anything for us to lose our heads over. (laughs) It's just the way God works in the world. It's just the way it is. That's how God works. Um, I'm convinced that the Lord is bringing us through a time of purging and refinement as a church. And I'm not just saying our church. I'm saying the church in general, um, which includes our church. Um, And over the next several years, our true colors are really going to show. Uh, The church is, people are either going to abandon the faith or they're going to become more faithful, right? People are either going to turn coat or they're going to be purified. That's just the way that it is. Uh, We're going to be tested. We're going to be tempted to rearrange our lives, to rearrange the church and do it the world's way. But let me tell you something, friends. Now, more than ever, Christians need to jump in with both feet and do it God's way. The hostility is mounting, friends. It always does. This is just the way it is. The opposition is growing. And the church, if it does not stand up and be the church, it will be judged along with the rest of the world when it is judged. What we have done for decades, friends, is look for a loophole out of this, right? We want to have our faith in the closet, right? You know, we wanted wanted to have a faith that doesn't offend anybody. You know, we, we like to practice our faith over here in the corner where nobody sees us, where nobody's bothered by what we believe. But that time is over. Uh, there is coming a time when we are going to have no choice but to face the pressure and to face the opposition uh, whenever it comes. We're going to have to play the man or act like men, as the Apostle Paul says. And 
If we don't, we will bow the knee to Caesar. We'll bow the knee to culture and we will bow the knee to uh, the world. The time has come for judgment to begin at the household of God and we need to get it right. We, we have to learn to deal with the pressure as a people. We have to get ready to face the trial head on, whatever it is that God brings our way and determine right now that we are going to stick with Jesus no matter what. That we are going to do it His way no matter what. No matter uh, what comes our way and no matter what anybody says, we are going to do it the way of Jesus. So Jesus was judged and delivered. So Christians should expect to be judged and delivered. So we have seen that oftentimes uh, the Christian life is not what we have uh, expected it to be. We have been called to follow the pattern of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives, and He is one who was insulted. He's one who suffered. He's one who was judged, and He's one who was uh, delivered. So as Christians, we should expect to be insulted. <laughs> we should expect to suffer and to be judged and to be uh, delivered. But here's the thing, and this is the important piece. Um, we are not to suffer for doing evil. We're not to suffer like the rest of the world. We're not to be judged like the rest of the world. We're to suffer for doing good, right? We're to be judged for our good. <laughs> to be judged for our good. So, or refined for our good. So, let us be the kind of people who take up the mantle of Jesus Christ uh, in the world so that we can be those who are truly glad and rejoice in our trials when they come because we know Jesus Christ is being glorified in them. That is to be our expectation. Let's pray.